Hello, I'm Pastor Paul, an associate pastor at Living Word, and this is our podcast. I want to say thank you for joining us today. I know this message will minister to your spirit and it will build your faith. I know God will move in your life because you are a doer of the Word. Enjoy today's message. You know, this morning as I'm singing, I'm thanking the Lord for heaven and thinking of how many people I know in the past year, a number that have passed on to go to heaven that we know are in heaven by the witness of the Holy Spirit in their life. This morning, as, as people get, get moved around and settled, I'm waiting for people to kind of get to their seats. We're going to pray for the Bechtold family this morning. Shirlene uh, was, was passed a, a week ago. And we know she was a saint of the Lord, loved the Lord, and uh, was uh, a big part of this church. Uh, Roger, her husband's with us today, and Roger, we're thankful for heaven today. Roger and Roger sitting together and knowing what is the hope of our salvation, but as is our tradition in this house, we, we pray for and ask for God to anoint and bring extra strength on the family as they make a, a transition into a, a new part of their life, particularly for Roger. So if you will, those of you around him, lay your hands on him if you can reach him. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning. For the Bechtold family that you raised up in the body of Christ, Father, for this season of life, they serve you greatly as a family. Father, we thank you for your anointing of favor and blessing to rest upon Roger Sr. and all of the family, Father, as they make a transition into a new place of responsibility in this life. They miss Shirlene. They miss, he misses his wife. The family misses their mother and grandmother. But Father, we thank you that you will fill the void. Father, as there is a time of, of more there is a time of rejoicing. This morning we rejoice knowing where she is and where we will go one day to join her. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. A little different piece for an Easter service, but I'm not going to miss doing that just because there's a transition when a saint goes on to the Lord. We miss them, but the whole reason we got to enjoy them is they were saved in the first place and brought into fellowship. When people are brought into fellowship and they go to heaven, they're just, uh, they're just waiting to be renewed in fellowship with all of us again. It's the hope of what Jesus did when he died on the cross. This morning, we're talking about hope, and we're talking about hope particularly in Jesus' resurrection and how it fits us today. I wouldn't want to live today without knowing the hope of Christ Jesus. I hear people all over the place asking questions that I've not heard from some of them. People that have, have a, little bit of, a little bit of a knowledge of Christ, a little bit of a knowledge of Scripture, and they're all wondering, what's up with the world right now? What's happening that seemed, things seem to be crazier than ever before? Well, this has happened before. This happened before Jesus ever came in the first place. It happened right on the heels of his resurrection, and it's happening again. The world goes crazy because God created an intervention for man, an intersection where heaven and earth came together at the place of the cross where Jesus hung and gave his life for us. He wasn't sent there except by the heavenly Father's will. He went there willingly because he knew if he could create an intersection between God and man, he could buy us back again. So today we have a hope of salvation that we don't pay for. He paid for it. We don't come to him being right. We learn of him his righteousness. And there's a difference. I used to think when I was a little kid, you had to get right. And every time I went to church, I'd try to get right and think if I'm not right, God won't love me. And then I learned God loves me 
And I'm never going to have everything right, but Jesus has it right. And if I depend on him, I get to enjoy what he has done right. That means I get to enjoy his righteousness. And as I learn of him, an amazing thing happens. I want to be more like him. There's nobody like him, and there, there, there is meant to be many like him, many that he calls sons of God. So when I look at that, I'm challenged and think my life challenge is to work to be more like him. But I know being more like him doesn't make me good enough. He called me good enough on the cross. In my fallen state, he said, I love them enough, and they're good enough. I'm going to give my life for them. So we come together celebrating that. When we come to church, we know we don't have it all just right. But we know that he does. And we know when we fellowship with him, there's something that, that comes into us by the Holy Spirit to help us be stronger and be more like him. Today, when I think about that, that intersection, I think how amazing that God from the, the beginning of time before the earth was created, he had it planned. He knew that his creation would fall, but he knew that he would redeem them. He knew that he would send his son Jesus, the darling of heaven, to take our place on the cross because he loved us that much. He worked to make it happen. And in, in the ancients before Jesus came, the Jewish church, the Jews knew that there would be a savior. Isaiah the prophet prophesied this hundreds of years before Jesus came. The psalmist David prophesied again what it would be like for Jesus to give his life on the cross. They both prophesied about how the world would respond. Some would respond to loving Jesus and others would despise him. It's happened before and it's happening again. When we understand the price that was paid for our salvation, there's another side to that. There's an angry devil that is real that hates the intersection God created for you and me. He fights it. He fights anything we can get from God by going to Christ Jesus. Jesus is always at the center of that place. He will always be our meeting place, our meeting person. He will always be our mediator between the heavenly father and our fallen state so that we can be one with God again. And God looks at us and he says, I don't see that they've ever done anything wrong. I don't know about you, but I have reason to celebrate that. Because when I look at me, I have plenty of problems with me without anybody getting involved. But God looks at me and he says, he's done nothing wrong. That's quite amazing. And as I continue living for him, he continues seeing me that way. Why? Because Jesus' sacrifice paid it all. When Jesus died on the cross and they put him in the grave while his body was in the grave, his soul and spirit went to hell and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from the devil. He didn't take them away and then store them in heaven forever. He took them away and said, now my kids can get out of the prison called hell. All they have to do is believe in what I did on the cross and that I rose from the dead as the son of God all God and all man. And he said, then you have the keys in salvation to keep yourself from going there. This body is appointed to die once. 
But even our dead bodies, Scripture teaches, when Jesus comes again and touches down on the Mount of Olives, these, th- this, this body, this old dead body that's in the grave is going to come out because God's not going to even leave our old body behind, even though we get a glorified one. Everything about you he loves and he paid a price for. Everything about your future he has set up with hope in mind for you. The the whole message of Easter Day is filled with so much hope, it should make us feel full of light and full of life because that's what he did. If we don't have hope in him, we're going to be a hopeless generation. So I believe as I'm sharing today, something in your heart will be stirred by the Holy Spirit. Just to choose to celebrate Jesus yet again, because when we celebrate him, we're filled with his fullness yet again. That's what worship does for us. We worship him and he takes joy then in saying, okay, the the communication is open. I'm going to communicate something back. And he puts more of his new life in us every time. When Jesus came out with those, those keys, he also uh, went to heaven and ascended to heaven after he was seen in the earth. He went to heaven and he presented his blood to the heavenly father. And he said, I have given my life for them. Here is the sacrifice of my blood, satisfying Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. Jesus paid the price. I want to reiterate something. There's no price we could pay to make the difference. It took the Son of God to pay the price. So when we get in our mind that, that we have to pay a price to see heaven, we've made a mistake. We have to believe on the Son of God to see heaven. We have to believe that he did it and that he did it for us and that he rose from the dead. When he presented his blood, the blood of sacrifice, he then was seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. That means when he said it is finished on the cross and he went to heaven and sat down, it was doubly finished. He said, it will never change again. My love for God's people will never change again. And I have every belief, Jesus saying this, I have every belief that they all will choose me. And he sat down. He did everything he could do to convince us to believe. Yet so many times people have a hard time choosing to believe on him because of a fear of the unknown. Because of fear that maybe making Jesus Savior is going to do something weird to us or hurt us or restrict our life. Jesus brings freedom. What we find about the world's kind of freedom is there's another author of that called the devil. And though it feels like a short-term freedom or liberty, there's there's a, a snag to it and there's a catch to it. That's what we as Christians call sin. Jesus paid the price to redeem us from that. No matter what the history, he paid the price. I want to hit a few things in the scripture, but Jesus' resurrection changes some things. It it puts Christ over man if we'll have him. Scripture says we're going to have a Lord and master. It will be Christ or it will be the devil. And I know people usually challenge us the same way, but I want to be my own Lord and master. That's a deception. There are two spirits at work in the world. One is Christ Jesus' spirit, the Holy Spirit. The other is the Antichrist, everything against him. When I talked about the the warring in the world, this was happening in Acts 4 when Peter and John had gone before leaders of the day, and they were sharing about Jesus' resurrection. And you would think people would get all excited over Jesus' resurrection because it's proof he was the Son of God. And there were people who did get excited 
But this crowd was not getting excited because it challenged what they thought. They wanted everybody to believe what they were saying about religion. And Jesus kind of broke all the rules. He said, no, I'm going to love you and accept you before you do anything right. And Old Testament religion said you will do everything right or not have a hair's breadth of a chance of approaching God's throne. And it changed everything, and people got upset about it. You would, you would think that people would be excited about that. But in that day, Peter and John were locked up as a result. They got in trouble as a result of sharing Jesus' resurrection, and there was persecution that came against the church. It has happened before, and it is happening again. I want to share with you today more about the importance of the resurrection in this moment than the history of how it happened most of you are here today because you have some acknowledgement of Jesus being Lord, some acknowledgement of Jesus coming to save us, some acknowledgement of I ought to be in church because it's Easter. And if no other reason, just because it's Easter, because that's the resurrection. Why? The resurrection is the single most important event in human history because it changed our destination. It gave us a destination as heaven because of the intersection God made instead of just going to hell. That's the reason. This morning, as I share, this is from Psalm 2, but in Acts chapter 4, Peter is quoting Psalm 2. And it talks about a moment that we're in that happened at Jesus' resurrection. It actually happened when, when the psalmist David was talking about it before Jesus ever came to the earth. So three times in Scripture, this is said in the very same words in the very same way, and it affects us today. Why do the heathen rage? What are they upset about? Why is the world upset about and wanting to cancel church, cancel Christ? I would say today, if I were going to call this anything, I would call it the hated resurrection, why would I call it that? Because many hate it. Will you be quickened today or will you be canceled by the hate? Because the hope of the resurrection is the opposite of the hate that is saying cancel that out. I want you to understand the, the importance of the moment that we live in because without a quickening, we will not have enough resurrection power to walk in victory in this life. We'll be silenced, we'll be shut up, we'll be told to be a quiet minority or go underground. So, Pastor, why are you saying this? Because the Holy Spirit quickened it in me to share a different kind of Easter message. One filled with hope, but one also filled with great desperation. Because we should be feeling what God wants for us and know how great it is and what's trying to stamp it out. We can get upset at politicians. We can get upset at leadership. We can get upset at people. But people are not the root cause. The enemy of God is. Satan is trying to find a way to stir up factions like he did before and create division. I'm not trying to speak into a revolution, but I am trying to change your way of thinking this morning to understand God trusted you to live right now, to receive resurrection power, to rise up strong in this generation. Not to be silent, not to be quiet, not to be muffled, but to have something to say that lines up with the goodness and hope of the gospel. Because without it, where is the hope going to be, quite frankly? I listen to a little news, enough news to stay connected to what's happening all over the world. I, I practice that, a little bit of that every day. But, you know, I pray longer than I listen to that. Because just a little bit of listening to that, and I go, my goodness. If this is all you hear, you might as well hang it on the wall and say, I'm going to be done now. Yep. What a hopelessness we're bringing on the next generation 
that doesn't understand what it is to live for the Lord Jesus if we don't tell them. So there's an evangelistic turn in this a little bit today. He saved us so that we would share the good news. He rose from the dead and immediately went out and was the heavenly father's witness. At first, they didn't recognize him. He looked like an everyday person, but when they started to listen, they said, that's him. That's how they're gonna see you. At first, you're just the gardener. You're just an attendant. You're just a person. But when you start talking, people are going to hear Jesus in you. That's unscripted. That's something the Holy Spirit said. Now, why do the heathen rage and people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed. This has happened before. People stirred up. Let us break their bands asunder. This is what the rulers of the earth are saying. Let's break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. The world doesn't want restraint. The spirit of this world does not want to be constrained. It seems as though in the news, anybody can call themselves anything and do whatever they want. Understand why this is happening so much right now. Because there is a spirit against what God wants to do. It's the spirit I call the spirit of the world. But it's what is coming against you. It's what happens when it's difficult to get in fellowship or to pray or get in the word. Or you wish you had called a Christian friend and encouraged him today. Or something prevented you from getting to church. Or you just think, man, it seems like everything is against me. Hello? Many things are against you. But Christ Jesus is for you. And other Christians should be for you. But this is, this is in Psalms. David is recognizing he's seeing something that Jesus will do. He's going to come in the middle of all of that anger, all of that despair, all of that looking for identification with something else. He's going to say, you can identify with God if you want to. You can line up with Christ Jesus if you want to. And what's happening in the world right now, I believe, because many Christian voices got quiet for too long. The other voices have gotten louder. Why, Scripture says in the New Testament prophesying of this generation, every voice will think it has significance and rise to the podium of being heard. Well, that has happened. So what must we do? We carry the vocal of the King of kings and Lord of lords. We represent him. So we have something to say and do about that. The spirit of the world is rising up. That's what's happening. It's to cancel Jesus out. It's to cancel out hope in a God because man would like to be his own God. But Jesus in the resurrection said, no, there is a God in Christ Jesus higher than man. He was the first begotten of God, the first to be raised from the dead in that fashion. And we are to be resurrected in like manner to him. The world wants to say that can't be real, but scripture promises it's true. We either believe the word or we don't believe the word. When we believe it, hope is stirred. When doubt comes, despair starts to settle in. Two distinct differences between what's going on in the world and what should be going on in a believer's heart. God's children have to take authority over the enemy. I'm going to spend a few more minutes in Psalms, then we're going to go to the New Testament. We're going to talk about how to anchor ourselves in this hope. Because today, my desire would be for every person to be able to receive communion when the time comes. And the way we receive communions, we say, Jesus, I want you to live in my heart. 
And then the the act of communion, receiving the the juice and the wafer, is simply saying, I am taking you in and keeping you in my life. I pattern my life after your life. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. This is God's response to all the despair. I want you to kind of get this in your heart this morning. No matter what's going on, God's got a laugh in it for you. He's got a laugh in it with you. He's got a laugh knowing that there is a hope and there is a freedom and your salvation that is going to set you apart and make a difference in your life and the difference will go greater and greater. Scripture says as darkness increases in the earth, the light will grow brighter. Expect that in your life. Expect that in your family. Expect that in the workplace. Expect that there might be a lot going on around you, but you are an exception because you met Christ at the intersection of God and man and you said, I choose God over man. I choose God over myself. He that shall speak unto them in his wrath, and he will vex them in his sore displeasure. God's going to take care of his own business. We don't have to retaliate. We don't have to make some great political stand and get all upset about things. I I want to talk about something this morning. Uh, I'm going to touch on it. I remember when when the, the mask mandate came out and people got upset about the mask. And I remember thinking, which is more important and in, in, in working through and sorting this out. But a political statement saying God's people can't and shouldn't wear it was a mistake. The right thing would be I'm going to press in and have fellowship because he says don't forsake the gathering. So when people stayed home because they wanted to have a political protest to not wear a mask, they were putting the kingdom of this world above the kingdom of their God. Am I saying we should rebel? No. We want to do what's right and keep people safe, but at the same time, we want to look at what's the real issue here. When churches were shut down and it was said they were non-essential and the president came back out and reversed that order, I said, thank God for that. Why? Because if somebody tries to take that away, they're saying Jesus doesn't count for you. What do we do? We have to rise up at that. How do we rise up at that? We do the things Jesus said to do, and we gather together and we worship him, and we come into a place of unity and one voice to take a stand and say, we're not going to have our nation robbed from us. We're not going to have our kids' future robbed from us. We're going to stand up for what the Bible says, not what we think. We're not going to become militarized in our own mind, but what are we going to do? We're going to rise up and get in agreement with what the scriptures say. And walk as the witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because people, when they hear hope, want to hear more. Now. Yet have I set my king upon the holy hill of Zion. This is a heavenly father saying, I've already sent Jesus. In father's mind, he already sent Jesus to be the head of the church. He already sent Jesus to be at the throne, the, the top throne in all the earth. Is in Jerusalem and Mount Zion where Jesus will return to. And he said, I've already taken care of business. That's what the Heavenly Father said. So we have to decide what do we want to be upset about or worked up about. If we get up, worked up about the wrong things, we're a part of raging like the heathen. What are we to do? We're to turn our eyes toward the hope of our salvation and say, I'm going to worship the Master. I'm going to give thanks to the God that I serve. I'm going to keep my focus right. And he's going to keep me filled with hope and filled with light. And I'm going to recognize what I got saved from is what I see going on. And I'm going to try to help bring people. He says, snatch them right out of the fire is what he says in the book of Jude. If you don't know that this generation is on fire, hear the sirens. I'm telling you. This generation, why? Because there is a warfare for people's hearts. 
and people's soul. And God has in mind for mankind everything that's good, and the devil wants to destroy every bit of it. Interesting when things change, how things can be reversed on a dime, and everything that was decided became undecided again. That's part of the heathen rage that I'm talking about. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me. You are my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of your earth for your possession. This is the heavenly father talking to Jesus. He said, if you will give your life, I will give all of them to you. We were reunited to the family of God because Jesus said yes to that challenge. Jesus said, yes, I will come to earth for them and give my life for them and give them proof of my resurrection so their hope is restored in you. This is a conversation the Heavenly Father's having with Jesus. And then he tells us this, be wise now, therefore. That's why I'm putting a, a little something extra or different in the message today because there's a now in this story. There's a now that applies to our life now that is a clarion call from God to be in close fellowship with him and not separated and not estranged and not just doing our thing, but making sure we put him first so that he can bless our things, so that he can watch out for our family. Be wise now, therefore, serve the Lord with fear. That doesn't mean the kind of fear that's ignorance. That means the kind of fear that is informed that I recognize what time it is in the earth, that I recognize that Jesus keeps on saving me from everything going on in the world, that as I take communion today, I'm saying I renew my connection with Christ, and he is watching out for me. He's got my back. He's got my front. He's got me up here. He's got heaven for me, and he's keeping me out of hell because that's who he is. And we recognize that. He said, now, therefore, be wise. That's wisdom, serving the Lord with fear. What does that fear mean? Live like the Bible says to live. Take time for loving people the way God says to love people. Make sure that we're loving God before we're loving anything else. When we're loving God first, it preserves us and the other people and the other things in our life that matter to us. When we don't put him first, everything becomes vulnerable. If you wonder, could everything be up in the air for your future? Yes, if Jesus isn't Lord, absolutely everything is up for grabs. Why, the devil is a greedy liar, and he steals, kills, and destroys. That's who he is. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life, and that they may have that life more abundantly. The might and the may are up to us. I had somebody say to me this weekend, and they meant well. They're a Christian teacher. They teach in their church. And they said, well, when it all shakes out, Pastor, I have to trust God's got this, doesn't he? And he's looking at me. I said, oh, no. God's only got this if we've got this because he's living in us. He said, I never thought of it that way before. Everybody I talked to says, oh, don't worry. God's got this. I said, oh, be worried because if his people don't get a hold of this, God's not got anything. He gave all authority to us. That's astonishing. But what does that say about a heavenly father? He trusts his children. He loves his children. He believes we will do what's right. He believes that we will, in the end of messing around in this world, we will decide to line up with him and say, I believe I'll walk a little closer to the master. Amen. Why? Because there's two choices, life and death. Which one makes more sense to you? If Jesus is living on the inside, we already know the answer. We say, I chose life and I want to have it more abundantly. Now, 
God's power has already raised you and me from the dead. When Jesus came out of, of hell with those keys, he set us up to walk in eternal life. And he said, if we will just choose to draw near to him and call him Savior and acknowledge that he's the son of God raised from the dead, we'll be saved. It was that easy. I've got to go to the New Testament because we're a New Testament church. But what we see in the Old Testament tells us how much better we've got it. Scripture says those same prophets, Isaiah and David and others, dreamed of this day. So why would they want this day? Because we have a Savior that they had not yet met. We have a Savior that changes our future because God stays in that same intersection in our heart where every day we can say, okay, there's the world coming at me and there's heaven that's come upon me. Which way do I want to go with this? And Jesus' Spirit, the Holy Spirit, bears witness on the inside. And if we'll listen, we'll make God honoring right decisions. And when we see it play out in the end, we'll say God was faithful to his word and he performed it. And I'm sure glad I stuck close to him. Everything will come against Christians in this generation to pull them away from God, to pull them away from fellowship with God's people, to pull them away from God's word. And every other voice out there will want your attention. You have to remember, Jesus being Lord means we listen to him and do the things that please him as he listened to the heavenly father and did what pleased the heavenly father. That's what it comes down to. This is Ephesians chapter 2. See, pastor's talking fast. Yeah, even with a dry throat, I'm talking fast. Why? I started out with 17 pages when I was researching for today. And I said, and that was, that was enough for 17 messages. I knew that. So we purged it down. What survived the purge and the purge and the purge yet again? What is relevant to this moment in Jesus' salvation in our lives that we live? It's not grandpa's religion. It's not Bible that we don't understand. It's application of a relationship with God that we have in this moment meant to change our lives for the good every day. That's who Jesus is. Today when we receive communion, that's what we're partaking of. We're saying he's going to cut through all of the stuff, all of the fog, all of the darkness, and I'm going to clearly know what it is I need to do to live a life that glorifies him. And you know, when you live for Jesus, it blesses you. Amen. It's the richest kind of life. Religious people have taught that it's a denial kind of life. There's some denial. You deny the darkness, but what do you get? You get the light of God and the brightness of God and the goodness of God. Right. It's worth it. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and you has he quickened. That's why we're here today. We have either already experienced that or we're about to. Resurrection is about receiving something from God by faith, by saying, I choose to believe what Jesus did was for me, and because I'm believing, he's going to give me what I need, not just to survive, but to thrive. And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's when he comes. If today you're not right with God and you wish you were, he's here to quicken you today too. Nobody will know the difference but you. I do an altar call the same way for salvation every time I pray and I ask everybody to pray in unison. And if somebody's their first time, nobody will know it's your first time unless you tell them. Why? Sometimes people are afraid. They're afraid to say they prayed because it might mean everything has to be different immediately. Thank God God never gives up on us. 
I've never met a Christian yet that immediately everything was perfect in their life. I've never met anybody yet that ever said they were ever in a state that everything was perfect in their life. We're an ongoing work. I rejoice at that. What does that do? That removes condemnation. That removes judgment. See, there's been a lot of things hurled at the body of Christ. Don't judge me. Well, we're not supposed to, but God's word does, you see. So what do we do? We judge ourselves. So today, if there's any judgment needed in the house, just look at your own self and say, I'm going to work on me this morning. If the Holy Spirit shows a need for a quickening, I'm going to tell you something that, that happens if there's sin there. When we repent, the quickening comes for us to get past it. What do I mean by get past it? Get the victory over it. Change the way we think. Change the way we live. That, that's the glory of God at work. He does what we can't do on our own. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world. Well, we talked about what the course of this world is. It's craziness. It's upside down. It's everything that, that we used to say was right is now wrong. And you better not even say what we used to say was right. You better just be quiet and agree with whoever's parroting what's right. Because there's a new right to everything. And we don't get to say what it is. No, God's word says what's right for us. Amen. Sound frustrated? Yes, I have a little frustration there. <laughs> According to the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, that's one of his names. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Don't be upset with people right now. People that are walking in disobedience to God and are, are beginning to persecute the church more than ever before and the body of Christ more than ever before, they don't know what they're doing and Jesus already took care of that. He, on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And we have to do the same thing and say, but I won't be duped by that. I'm not gonna be swindled into giving up my joy for somebody else's unbelief because that's what it is. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in other words, we all were a part of that at one point or another. The lust of the flesh of fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We used to have our hand in that, but we choose not to in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means anything can change. I've heard a lot of, a lot of messages that scare people. I'm not mean to scare anybody this morning. What I want to do is enlighten everybody this morning. We live in the most important time God could have put us in the earth, in my opinion. I remember when I was a little kid being told over and over again, you're in the most spoiled generation of all. Well, something about that expired somewhere along the way because I'm not feeling that anymore. And, and if you say that to your kids, don't put too much of that on them. It's not exactly true. Think of it this way. If God's blessed you with abundant life, you have a responsibility to whom much is given, much more is required, is what the scripture says. What's required? A heart after God to bring others into the kingdom. Now, but God, who is rich in mercy, by his great love, wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. That's where our quickening comes from. When Jesus came out of the grave, we came out of the grave. So, well, I wasn't there. You were there in him. He was there for all humanity. So even now, we have resurrected life working on our behalf. What does that mean? When something tries to take you out, God will raise you up. When something comes against you to discourage you, encouragement will come. Why? It's a quickening by the Holy Spirit on the inside. I can respond like anybody else when I get mad. And if I'm not careful, 
I will. But I've learned there's restraint. I've learned there's, there's some restraint in my humanity. Depends what it is. There's a measure of restraint. But I've learned when it comes to God, there's great restraint that I can tap into and say, I will bite the end of my tongue off before I will give them a piece of my mind. Why? My mind isn't going to change theirs. Ever try that? Think you're really going to enlighten somebody and help them? Good luck with that. It takes the Holy Spirit for each one of us to relate to us personally. That's the quickening. When I joyfully say, this is a church everybody can come to church, I mean that. Because this is a church where everybody can hear the Holy Spirit speak personally to our heart when we hear a message that everybody's hearing. I'm amazed every time people come and say, I want to talk to you about that sermon. If I get 10 different people coming to talk to me about it, they all 10 heard something else. Something different. Sometimes they heard something different than what I wanted them to hear. I think, where in the world did they get that? Am I not a better communicator than that? Then I recognize something. It's the Holy Spirit's job to relate whatever it is God brings through my life or your life to another person's heart. This would be a time to let the Holy Spirit do his work in people because everybody wants to feel like God has a hold on them. God is watching out for them. And he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places and give us authority in Christ Jesus. That's where I was going when I was talking to this, this person about God not having this unless we have this. Jesus gave us that authority. He said, you want the world to be redeemed? Then go out there and get at it. You want the world to be a better place? Be a part of the working of making it a better place. You want to make things change? Choose the cause of God and you'll have the power of God. Choose the cause of man and you'll have the grief of man. I see people trying to fix things that can never be fixed without the power of God. He owns all the creation. I believe in taking care of the earth. I believe in taking care of people. I believe that we should rise up and be responsible and help others and help other nations. But I recognize something. Without putting Jesus in the middle of it, it isn't going to fix the root problem. It's just going to calm down some symptoms or make things a little better for a few people. Jesus saved us from the destroyer, not just what he's getting away with. That's what it means to make him savior. Now, that in the, the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is what he's saying it's all about. He wants to show you how kind and generous he is. That's what salvation is. The kindness and generosity of God at work in our lives to reveal to us who he is and what he's really like. I remember bringing, uh, when I was a kid, kids still had a lot of sleepovers, okay? I had like every week had one at my house. One of us, we had th three sons. One of us almost every week had a friend, or if we could get away with it, four or five, come stay over. Because the more friends, the more liberty. The more stuff we got to do, the less chores we had to do. It just was a great, it was like a little mini party all the time. I remember though, when, whenever dad would come home, and I'm thinking back in like first grade and second grade where we were all not too big. There'd be three or four or five little boys, and dad would come in looking like the, the, the jolly giant <laughs> from the field covered in, in, in dirt or whatever the work was of the day. And all the little kids would be like, everybody thinking the same thing. I wonder what he's like. He looks like he could eat us for breakfast. <laughs> and they would all decide what he was like by my interaction 
with my father. And as soon as dad talked back and grabbed me and threw me in the air, played with me, everybody's like, oh, he's a good dad. That's our responsibility to people around us. What's he like, really? Because all they have is a glimpse of what they think he looks like based on something they've been told or maybe not having heard anything. One of the greatest things I could experience was, was in the evening playing on the floor with dad with all these friends, say, your dad's the greatest. I think, okay, uh, now that I've experienced that, I want to experience that as the dad. Heavenly Father wants to experience that. Now, we receive his quickening today as we receive communion. What does that mean? We receive his nature. He makes us more like him. What communion is supposed to do for us is help us identify where we are with God first. Do I need to ask forgiveness for anything? Why do we ask forgiveness? Because when we walk in forgiveness, we get God's forgiveness. So we want to make it right if there's something wrong in our relationships. In a few minutes, Pastor Paul will will be sharing communion a little later in the service. And when he does, I want you to think, is there anybody you need to forgive and let something go? Because we want to do that first. Scripture says we're in big trouble. It actually uses the word we're, we're in damnation if we come to the table of the Lord and have not forgiven people. We need to also see if there's anything we need to ask God to forgive us for. And as we do, we're in right standing because Jesus is the sacrifice. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Then there's nothing between us and God. There's nothing to block the benefits that we'll receive. For by grace you are saved through faith. Today's another act of salvation. If Jesus lives in you, you're just renewing your connection with him, saying, I still believe I still believe he's my savior. I still believe he died for me. He rose from the dead for me. And I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. I'm going to live forever in in heaven with him. What he did, he did for me. He's my healer. He's my provider. He's my restorer. He's my redeemer. He brought my life back from destruction. If you've experienced in this calendar year a bad report, he's redeemed you from the effects of that if you'll trust him. If you're experiencing sickness in your body, he's healed you of that if you'll receive it by faith. What does it mean to receive it by faith? It means you choose to believe what God's word says over everything else. You choose to say, I believe what the Bible says is true and it's for me. Jesus is who made it for you. Jesus is who made it for me. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of your own works. It's not something you do yourself. It is the gift of God. I tell people this all the time. Salvation is a free gift. Making Jesus Lord will cost you something. When you make him Lord, you're saying, I want him to be my master, and that means I'm going to do what he tells me to do. I'm going to do what the Scripture says. That's not so free. But the free part is this. The free part we're celebrating today more than any other day of the year. The free part is he saved us from hell for free. He said, all we have to do is receive that by faith and say, I believe that for me. I think it remarkable that God's so generous. If that's all people ever ask of God, they'll see heaven. That's a pretty generous God. Most people, if they had a friend like that, would say, okay, what strings do you have attached to that? What are you going to want from me a year from now? What's going to happen in 10 years when I've forgotten about this moment? Still saved. Remarkable God's that generous. 
What he hopes is somewhere along the way we'll say, I believe he's making me to be generous back to God. I believe I'll let him work through me somehow, help somebody else somehow, share hope with somebody else a little bit. That's what it means to make him Lord. It's not of works or people would boast about it. Say, look how good I am. Look how how I'm living for Jesus and doing so well. Be careful to not do that. If there's any goodness in you, it's because Jesus is in you. Right? Amen? We recognize that. For we are his workmanship. We are work still in in progress. People people say something to me like, well, I hate it when there's always hypocrites at church. I said, I don't have any hypocrites at church. Why? We're all work in progress. Anybody comes here, they're going to learn that right away. And what does that mean? It means Jesus is working on me and I give him room to work on everybody else. And I'm not going to get all fussing at them. I'm going to focus on getting me right. And when we do that, it's remarkable because people start asking questions for help to fix life where it's broken. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's how you know salvation is at work. You want to do something good for somebody else. You want to make a difference for somebody else. We say it around here. You, you, you want to come in, have church, but you're, you're coming in to take Jesus out and bring people in. Why? Without that, there's not much proof of lordship. There's not much proof that we're doing any good work for him. We want to bring people to him. It's a natural thing. So why does it cause so much friction and frustration when I'm trying to share Jesus who loves me with somebody who doesn't know him? Because there's a spirit in the world that has risen up that I was talking about when we started today. And it's angry. And sometimes people just don't know the difference. They just feel like everybody wants something from me. All Jesus wants is an acknowledgement of him as Savior. Then he'll leave us alone. If we, we never give him anything else but that moment, he'll leave us alone. What he hopes is we'll wake up and give him a little something more to work with. There's a prayer I love. Gloria Copeland says this prayer on TV every so often about Jesus being Lord. And she says it this way, Jesus, here's my life. I give it to you. Please make something more of it. Only she says it real Southern. Please make something of it <laughs> like that. I think what a great prayer because all we have is the remainder of our days to give him. And what he wants to make of it is better than anything that we've had before. Now, we're about done. For we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has before ordained that we walk in them. He's got a plan for you to walk in good things. He's got a plan for your every day to have something good in it. You know, Lucinda will ask me every day, how was your day? I always start out with the, the, the good element, whatever it is. And if I have to search for it, I must not have been in tune with Jesus that day. Why? I shouldn't have to look for something that he was able to do through me that was good. That made him say, but you're the pastor. I was doing that long before I was the pastor. Because a lot of times days are filled with everything but good. So what do you do? You, put, you engage the good. Well, he's a good God. That's proof that he's living in us. Well, this morning as we pre- prepare hearts for communion, I'm going to ask uh, Sandy and Karen to come and get, get to their, their instruments. We have a guest musician today, uh, uh, Karen Dennis. Karen is Sandy Thomas's sister. They're going to play something. Josh, are we, do we have words where we can put up? I'm looking. That, that's all happening. Are we singing along? It's an instrumental style, but what, what we want you to do is see the words. I, I saw what they were bringing as a special. I said, oh, 
that's too good to not talk about the words. And Lucinda and I talked about it, and I said, I don't know what key it's in, and I don't know if we can sing it. It might be too high or too low or something like that, and it might throw them off. Why? They're, they're, they're doing the impossible, okay? Why? They're, 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 you call it middying up two instruments that weren't really made uh, together. They're made about at the same time, though. Now, as, as they play this morning, it's not just for your enjoyment. It is. But it's placed right here as a moment of reflection on who Jesus is and what he did for us. Before they play, I want to pray a prayer. I want to give an opportunity for everybody in the house to accept Jesus as Savior and receive the free gift. If you've done it before, you won't mind doing it again. It's just like saying a prayer that you love God again. But if you've never prayed this prayer, this is how you become a part of the family of God. And uh, God will respect your privacy. But I would tell you, if you pray for the first time and you mean it, you should tell somebody that cares about you. That you made a commitment to Christ as Savior. You accepted Him as Savior. What that means is we'll see heaven. What that means is we can take authority over the works of darkness. When we pray, God hears us because we now walk in Jesus' authority. It's not just us in our humanity crying to God. It's us made alive. We've been quickened by his spirit, and he hears us. When people say, why is it, Pastor, it seems like God hears your prayers? It's because he's the one really doing the praying. He's the one really expressing himself. I just let him speak through me what I believe he wants. I want you to pray this prayer, and if you mean it from your heart, you're qualified for communion today. If there's anything in, in the way this morning, I ask that you just take, take, just take a moment and offer, uh, ask the Lord for your forgiveness. And if you need to forgive somebody else this morning, I say it this way, let it go. Say, God, I'm not going to let that concern me anymore. And if you need to see somebody about that and they're in-house, you can go do that or you can see them after the service or on the outside, you may have somebody. People do things they don't mean to do. If you will, pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm here today to celebrate Jesus in his resurrection. I choose in my heart to believe that Jesus is your son, that you raised him from the dead so I could have my sins forgiven. So I ask you, forgive me in Jesus' name for any shortcomings in my life. Heavenly Father, I believe that when I ask right now, Jesus will come live in my heart. Jesus, I ask you, come live in me. Save me from destruction. Save me from hell. Save me from sickness. Save me from myself. Heavenly Father, help me make Jesus my Lord. I receive new life. I'm a, a child of hope. I live in your power and resurrection. Take my life. Make something more of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies. Thank you for joining us. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that Ministry at Living Word Church is possible. 
You can get more information on our website at go2lwc.org. You can also give online as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends. You can take a screenshot and post it to your social stories. You know what? You can even share it in person with someone who needs encouragement from God's word today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, you're welcome to join us in person where we will worship together and God will minister directly to you. Be blessed this week and be a doer of his word.